Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, earlier today, the White House Coronavirus Task Force, they held a meeting, bunch of people there, a lot of very, very important information that was shared. I'm going to share with you tonight some of the most important things you want to take away from that event today. But I mean, you had Dr. Fauci there, Vice President Pence, Dr. Birch, the general who now is going to be distributing the vaccine. They talked about the vaccine, vaccine distribution. And I'm going to share with you a clip from CDC Director Robert Redfield, that I think is really going to stun you. It's about our kids, but also he says something in regards to what took place if you frame it in a certain way around what happened yesterday in Minnesota. So we're going to start with Dr. Fauci now. He stood up there and talked about the vaccine. As you know, there's been a lot of conversation about the vaccine. There's two of them that have showed a fairly high effectiveness rate. And what he was saying is, look, I know as we've discussed these vaccines, there's been some naysayers. And then he wanted to share this with you. So please listen. It's a little bit longer sought. But I want to get, play all of it for you to give you some context. Just listen closely. We'll talk about it on the other side. The question is, what about how that is going to be rolled out? I use the word efficacious. That means what happens in a clinical trial. The word effective means is what the ultimate impact of that vaccine is going to be on society. And the only way you can get an effective program is when people take the vaccine. And we're going to be talking to you about that. And I hear a lot now when we made these announcements this past Monday and then two Mondays ago about some reticence of people. Well, did you rush this? Was this too fast? Is it really safe? And is it really efficacious? The process of the speed did not compromise at all safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. It was a reflection of the extraordinary scientific advances in these types of vaccines, which allowed us to do things in months that actually took years before. So I really want to settle that concern that people have about that. What about the decision of the data? Who looked at the data? Was that some force that was maybe trying to put something over on you? No, it was actually an independent body of people who have no allegiance to anyone, not to the administration, not to me, not to the companies that looked at the data and deemed it to be sound. Now that data will be examined very carefully by the FDA, who together with a advisory committee, the Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, or VRPAC, are going to look at that before the FDA makes the decision about putting this forth for an emergency use authorization or ultimately for a license. So we need to put the rest any concept that this was rushed in an inappropriate way. This is really solid. We need to put to rest that this was rushed in any inappropriate way. This is solid. He just, you heard him there, right? Something that normally takes years, they've condensed into months. Now look, everything could be A-OK, -okay, but as I've said before on the show, especially right now with what's happening in our world, question everything. In my opinion, I just think that's the smart thing to do. Question everything doesn't mean that he's wrong just means you're going to go okay i'm going to hear this through a critical eye critical ear i'm going to question it i'm going to ask some questions and make sure that i'm comfortable with the process that's been taking place so far but when you have someone that stands up there and says look this is solid just trust me it's solid yeah okay we'll we'll see let's just put it that way one other thing that dr fauci uh, said earlier today is that he is not he is not a proponent of another national lockdown so i tweeted this out earlier today i said hey Remember, Joe Biden said, I'm going to listen to the scientists. Dr. Fauci, he's a scientist. 
Does that mean that Joe Biden's going to listen to Dr. Fauci and not have a national lockdown or not? You may remember that just recently, Dr. Michael Osterholm, uh, he's now on the coronavirus task force with the, the incoming potentially Joe Biden administration. He's from Minnesota, and, and he did an interview recently with Yahoo. We played the clip for you last week where he said, look, if I had my druthers, right, we would have a four to six week lockdown right now across the United States to mitigate this thing till we get the vaccines in place. So just want to see what happens here. If, assuming Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States, is he going to listen to Dr. Fauci, who everyone touted Dr. Fauci for quite some time, or is he going to listen to Dr. Michael Ostrom? Now, I want to play this clip for you from CDC director, Dr. Robert Redfield. He said something today that I think is really quite stunning considering all the information that's out there about COVID and what's happening in schools and our kids. So listen for that piece. But he also says, and I'm going to kind of give this away because I want you to hear it again. But he says, look, the biggest threat right now as far as what's happening with people getting COVID is not in the public square. It is not happening in the public square that COVID is running rampant. It's really in these smaller family gatherings. I'm going to share with you why that's important, especially in the context of Minnesota, after you hear from Dr. Redfield. As was mentioned, last spring, CDC did not recommend school closures, nor did, we rec nor did we recommend their closures today. I will say back in the spring, there was limited data. Today, there's extensive data that we have. We've gathered over the last two to three months to confirm that K through 12 schools can operate with face-to-face -face learning, and they can do it safely and they can do it responsibly. The infections that we've identified in schools when they've been evaluated were not acquired in schools. They were actually acquired in the community and in the household. Today, as Dr. Burke said, our big threat for transmission is not the public square. It's small family gatherings, family gatherings where people become uh, more comfortable, they remove their face mask and they get together and it's this silent epidemic that begins to transmit. But it's not inter-school transmission. The truth is for kids K through 12, one of the safest places they can be from our perspective is to remain in school. How many of you right now at home are like, wait, what? He, you heard him there? Just the two things are so critically important. He just said basically that being in school right now for our kids is one of the one of the safest places they can be is face-to-face -face education. Hey, let's get that rolling ASAP. We all know our kiddos want to be with their friends and be back in school. The other thing though, that really jumps out to me says, look, the biggest threat right now uh, for things happening with COVID spreading is not in the public square. Not in the public square, but small family gatherings. So if that's the case, let's reopen all the businesses. If it's not in the public square, then what does Governor Wallace do when he says, hey, follow the science, and then he comes in and says, we're going to shut all these things down with the restaurants, there's only going to be takeout, we're going to shut down the gyms, we're going to shut down uh, youth activities. Follow the science. The CDC right now is sort of the premier science organization right now within our country that we're listening to. So if we're going to follow the science, as Governor Wallace has suggested, Shouldn't we then be reopening as many businesses as possible since it's not being transmitted according to Dr. Redfield in the public square? 
would love to know your point of view on that. But I thought to, to both of those things, pretty stunning to hear there from Dr. Redfield. Speaking of Governor Wallace, he held a press conference earlier today with uh, leaders in our healthcare system, more specifically across Minnesota, but uh, suggesting some of the challenges we're having right now. And we know this with staffing, right? With healthcare staffing, they're seeing challenges all over the country. Quick side note here, some good news. Just before I came on the air, we found out that North Dakota is going to be getting 60 Air Force nurses coming to the state fairly soon. So hopefully that will help uh, give our nurses, our great nurses, some relief. But so Governor Wallace, he said something at the end of the presser, which I thought, I just thought it was fantastic. There's two things he said that actually that I thought were fantastic. So before I play this for you, um, you're going to see purple all across Minnesota tonight. They're doing that in remembrance of the 3,000 people lost. Uh, people that have died with or from COVID. So hopefully you can maybe put a purple light up tonight or just pay respects to those uh, great Minnesotans. But so towards the end of the presser, Governor Walls said this. Take a moment, see that purple tonight. Take a moment to think about it and recognize as you're thinking about what Thanksgiving will be like, all of us know what it's like to lose a loved one. It doesn't ever get that much easier. It just changes a little bit. These emotions are raw the families of 3,000 Minnesotans, not to mention the families who folks are in intensive care right now and they don't know what will happen. So this has been an unprecedented battle. It has pitted us against ourselves in a way that I'll, I'll go to my grave not understanding why. The battle here is with the virus. The battle here is believing the scientists and public health experts. The battle is having compassion for businesses who are doing what's right while they may end up losing that business. All of those things should have brought us closer together rather than further apart. And I would just ask in Minnesota, it's not too late to change that. It is not too late to change the narrative around this. It is not too late with that light at the end of the tunnel and a potential vaccine to turn this thing around. So I thought very interesting comments there from Governor Wallace saying, look, we, we can change the conversation, try to unite, try to come together. He's questioned there why more people aren't. And I, I, the only thing that came up for me around that is I think because there's just so much information. Like I shared with you the other night in the past few nights, or so much of this is arbitrary. Uh, like I said last night in Minnesota, now you can walk into a salon with a mask on and get a haircut for 45 to 60 minutes, but you can't ask people over that are extended family or your buddies over to your house, even if you have a mask on. That seems obviously very nebulous to some people. So I think that's where the challenge is, and hopefully you can have some more science to back up some of the things that he's doing, and I think people can uh, cling on to that. Now, one thing I love that Governor Wall said earlier today is he really went after the D.C. swamp because, like he mentioned there, you've got a lot of small business owners, a lot of families right now, they're struggling. You know, how are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to pay the mortgage? How are you going to put food on the table? Because with these shutdowns and all the things that are happening right now due to COVID, it creates a ton of financial stress, which then creates mental stress. And so it was good to see Governor Walls today. He took a few shots at the D.C. swamp. We made calls again today to our federal delegation. We're speaking with the highest levels, both in the House, in the Senate, and to both the outgoing and the incoming administration to move aid as quickly as they can. If it is not a perfect package or a big one, I don't care. Move the package that helps small businesses and individuals so that they can make good decisions. Don't put our neighbors in a position that they follow the healthcare guidance and protect those frontline workers, yet they put themselves at risk of losing their house or not being able to pay the bills. It's simply unconscionable and immoral right now that the United States Senate and Congress went home on a vacation when they could have moved this piece of legislation. 
I love that. Calling these guys out. They're going on vacay. You know they're getting paid, but you're struggling, and they can't put some Trump bucks back into your account. I'm with him. I think it's unconscionable that they're doing that. They should stay there, get something done, and take care of the American people. The election's over, right? Take care of the American people right now, the ones that are struggling and having some major, major challenges to make ends meet. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen here? People can't pay their mortgages, their rent. That's going to obviously have a lot of uh, ancillary effects. Now, one of the things that we talked about again last night, just to remind you, was the fact regarding Governor Wall saying, hey, don't have extended family over to Thanksgiving. We we showed you the picture of the woman that sort of camouflaged into the carpet, right? If, if the cops were to show up at your house on Thanksgiving. But what's interesting, and I, I mentioned this last night, I said, okay, he's, he's putting out these executive orders, making these recommendations, but how's he going to enforce it? I mean, how's he really going to tell you, hey, you can't have grandpa over to Thanksgiving or those kind of things? And so somebody actually, kudos to this person, I don't know who it was, but on the media call last night, somebody actually asked him about that. Here's how it went. On the social gatherings, Governor, do you acknowledge that this is essentially one that is is largely unenforceable, but you're just sort of pleading for compliance with? Yeah, I and I'm not afraid to say that, Dave. That I, I ask Minnesotans, I need them to protect their neighbors. The the facts are there. I mean, I'm I'm still stunned when the response in the first few minutes, as one of the earlier questions asked, that um, we've got legislators who simply refuse to believe this. So there you go. It's, it's not enforceable. It, it's, it's a request, right? But boy, if you listen to that pressure last night, I had a lot of people saying to me, you know, Berg, you've got now the governor putting the fear of God back into people here about what's happening, and yet it's not really an enforceable thing. It's a request. So just so you know that. Now, the other thing that Governor Walls has alluded to a couple of times is the fact that North Dakota and South Dakota are number one and number two as far as cases per capita. North Dakota, number one in deaths per capita. So he suggested at times that, look, our positivity rate in Minnesota, we were at 21. We were actually doing pretty good until these yahoos, you know, that, that surround the state of Minnesota started letting their cases go up. So I want to share with you a little bit about what he said. And this is important because this was um, Tom Hauser, and it was on October 26th. And Tom Hauser asked Governor Walls back on October 26th, hey, are you going to be having more shutdowns? Is things going to become more stringent? And Governor Walls essentially said no. But you can hear him here say, hey, we didn't know anything on October 26th about how bad things could be in North Dakota or South Dakota. And then I'll share with you some more after this clip. The 26th of October, as I said, Minnesota was down about in the middle of the pack on infection rate. Um, I don't think anybody today, of all the nations in the world, North Dakota counts as the worst nation in the world for uh, infections, and so does South Dakota. None of those things were true on the 26th of October. So you could say I'm, you know, splitting hairs here, but just, just to be fair, just to give you the truth and accurate information, let's bring this up, Zach. Back on October 21st, there was an article that came out, which 21st is before the 26th. If North Dakota was a country, it would have the world's worst confirmed COVID-19 outbreak, according to one analysis. I think that was due to the Financial Times. Now, I, I bring this up because one of you emailed us, and maybe we'll get to it later in the show, but I thought it was a really valid point where we all know that our healthcare beds are stretched, our healthcare workers are stretched, they're exhausted, right? But when Governor Walls alluded to, hey, North Dakota and South Dakota haven't been doing that great of a job, it's having an impact on what's going on here in Minnesota, one of you said, hey, Berg, if you look at his map, it's really the eastern part of Minnesota that's having the challenges with the beds, not so much the western part. So it didn't really square for that person. Let's bring this graphic up, please, Zach, just to share with our audience. But you can see here, again, um, and Governor Walls, you know, he, he said Wisconsin's not doing a great job either, but he has definitely taken some shots at North Dakota and South Dakota, and you can see there that 
per the data that they're putting out, I'm not saying it's good, but it's just not as bad as the eastern part of the state. I uh, want to give a quick shout out to Governor Doug Borgham. Earlier this week, we had the Davies High School basketball coach on Bart Manson talking about you know the winter sports and the delay that Governor Borgham had put in place with his executive and state health director order. Um, and they were going to say, hey, you can't do anything till December 14th. Bart was like, Chris, when I look at the data, because Governor Burgum says, hey, facts, not fear, right? When I look at the data, these extracurricular activities aren't really super spreader events. So kudos to Governor Burgum. He heard your voice. And we've talked about this before. Remember with the state health director order about the quarantine rules? The beauty about Governor Burgum and North Dakota is that when you speak out, these elected officials hear you. Oftentimes they hear you. Clearly you spoke out again. And now uh, Governor Burgum said, okay, okay, I hear you. We're not going to do it all the way till December 14th. You can practice starting November 30th right after Thanksgiving. And then I believe get back into competition on December 14th. So there you go. It's kind of that happy meeting, that, that negotiation, right? Part of the deal. So we'd love to know your point of view. A lot to digest there with uh, the White House Coronavirus Task Force meeting. What's going on in Minnesota? And when we come back, we're going to get to your points of view, so please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. Getting scammed? Call the Whistleblower Hotline. Gina? 